Hey, uh, real quick, I wanted to go over this article from Vanity Fair. I've been meaning to do it for the last month. I had been busy and I, and I totally forgot. Um, there's this narrative about black billionaires. If you believe the narrative of black billionaires that the, um, there's no stipulations that come with the status of being coming or being a black billionaire or the, the, the typical black billionaire earned every dollar they made and uh, did it the right way and didn't break any laws. Now, I've already broken down uh, those guys down the streets, favorite black billionaire Robert Smith and how he is currently a federal federal informant. Let's get into the case of Bitcoin billionaire Arthur Hayes. It's a bit of a long read. I won't read the whole thing, but I want to I want to give everybody a general context of this myth or this mythos of the black billionaire and that, that it doesn't come with any, um, you know, problems or uh, stipulations with that. So let's get into Arthur Hayes. Let's see. Okay, he, I just want to get a quick backstory. He's a crypto guy. So this is, this is for all you crypto guys, you know. Oh man, this is a very, very long read. This is the interview that he did. Vanity Fair. Okay, so born to middle-class parents who worked for General Motors and were beholden to the ever-changing fortunes of the giant auto, auto giant, he split his formative years between Detroit and Buffalo, where his mother Barbara moved mountains to get her gifted son into Nichols School, a leafy private institution founded in 1892. He succeeded at everything from his studies to the sports field to making lasting friendships. Read the testimony featuring Barbara on one of the fundraising pages of the school's website. Nichols gave him the setting, the stimulation, and at one point the scholarship to thrive. Hayes in return has given back underwriting a scholarship that ensures a deserving student will be able to experience the excellence of a Nichols education and the lifelong benefit it brings. After attending Wharton School of Business, that's that's pretty impressive. Donald Trump went there. Uh, he headed off to Hong Kong where he worked at Deutsche Bank and Citibank as a market maker for the ETFs, hybrid securities that, not unlike mutual funds, diversify an investor's risk but can be traded like stocks. Hayes was just hitting his stride. Oh, here's my phone listening again. Okay. Hayes was just hitting his stride when a pink slip arrived in May 2013. Bankers tell you everybody has a bullet with their name on it. He explained one afternoon over tea at the Marina Bay Sands in Singapore. Uh, Let's see. But back to the pink slip. Eight years ago, Hayes, out of a job, decided to go solo, combining his knack for designing novel financial instruments with a newfound passion, cryptocurrency, specifically Bitcoin. Okay. Uh, if you don't know what Bitcoin is at this point, I mean, oh my God, let me get you up to speed. Uh, cryptocurrency, it bears repeating, is a digital form of payment and a method for storing value. It relies on a secure, decentralized ledger called a blockchain to record transactions, manage the issuance of new coins or tokens, and prevent fraud and counterfeiting. Uh, Though there are thousands of such currencies out there, Bitcoin is by far the most durable, despite having a dubious backstory involving an enigmatic creator named Satoshi Nakamoto. Now that's Satoshi, if you believe 
he is the original creator of Bitcoin. Uh, there are other stories uh, saying there are other um, men that run oligarchs that are actually the, the, the actual funder, a founder of Bitcoin. But that's that's debate. That's up for debate. Uh, let's see. Okay. Whose existing identity has never been established. Uh, Bitcoin's blockchain was designed so that only 21 million virtual coins would ever be mined. That kind of verifiable scarcity in contrast with the tendency of the world's central banks, bankers to print money, whether in a pandemic or whenever it is politically expedient, has contributed to the currency's precipitous rise in price from less than a penny in 2009 to over $41,000 in January 2021. Okay. Uh, in 2020 alone, the coin rose over 300% in value. Okay, let's get into actual haze. Okay, at first, Hayes was a nobody among crypto's dank sea of tax evaders, drug dealers, arms traffickers, child pornographers, contrarian li uh, libertarians, and wanker bankers pining for a return to the gold standard. Because, let's be honest, if you didn't know that Bitcoin was used to fund illegal, um, uh, the dark, dark, all the illegal uh, activities of the world that actually generates billions of dollars that's what bitcoin was used for it was for them to use uh bitcoin to tr to not to not have uh federal agents interpol all that stuff to track and trace the monies okay bitcoin was used to fund illegal activities but i'm getting off track okay so let's see uh hayes ran with the smart set he says i bought my first bitcoin from arthur in 2013 uh Okay, that's from Chu. So he, he hooked up with a guy named Chu. Okay. Uh, okay, okay. In the spare time, Chu, I'm gonna... Okay, Arthur Hayes started small with Arbitage, buying Bitcoin in one market and then selling it at a premium in another. Things were humming along until October 2013 when he had problems accessing coins he had sent to Mount Gox, a Tokyo-based Bitcoin exchange that helped patrons uh, convert their holdings into fiat money, traditional legal tenders such as the dollar, euro, pound, or yuan. In early 2014, Mt. Gox declared that hackers had stolen nearly $500 million from its coffers. Unlike most other depositors, some 24,000, Hayes managed to get his money out and in the process learned an important lesson. Exchanges constitute a single point of failure in the otherwise secure Bitcoin ecosystem. Mt. Gox might have been the most infamous such hack, but dozens of exchanges have been hit and untold billions in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies have vanished. But they don't tell you that. Okay. However, Hayes decided to take his money elsewhere when he heard Bitcoin was trading significantly higher on the Chinese mainland. He bought a bundle, transferred the coins to an exchange in China and swapped them for the yuan. Uh, literally lugging around a backpack containing stacks of banknotes. Over a period of days, he recounted, I physically crossed the border by bus to Shenwan uh, with some friends, had lunch, and came back over the border carrying legal amounts of cash. It was a neat trick and relatively lucrative, but the real-world hazards of schlepping real money across international borders uh, got him thinking. Why not build an online exchange where people could really profit off of their Bitcoin by using derivatives if you follow stocks mark stock markets you know what a deri derivative is derivatives are a is a financial contract 
whose value is based on the performance of an agreed uh, upon underlying asset. In this case, cryptocurrency. So basically, if me and you, me and you guys, oh my God, this phone. If me and you guys had a stock and we all agreed about what its, what its value is, then that's what the value is. You don't let the market determine the value. Uh, those, the owners of it, we determine the value of it and we give it to the, to the public. That's how the derivatives work. Okay. Okay. So in January, 2014, Hayes arranged a meeting at a swanky rooftop watering hole with uh, Ben Delo, a brainy British mathematician and programmer whose classmates at Oxford reportedly voted him the most likely to become a millionaire and second, most likely to wind up in prison. After graduating in 2005, he worked for IBM, two hedge funds, and after moving to Hong Kong, J.P. Morgan. When Hayes and Thilo got together, little about them suggested that they would storm the ramparts. On paper, both had establishment uh, CVs, uh, elite educations, and stints at blue-chip companies, yet each was an outlier. Hayes, the scholarly son of auto workers, had forsaken the regimented and highly regulated world of investment banking for crypto's Wild West. Rules uh, were made on the fly and regulations were few. D'Lo, according to Jonathan Bate, provost of Oxford's uh, Worcestershire College, overcame great difficulties in his school career to win a place at Oxford from a local state school. In fact, as the child of a civil engineer, uh, father and school teacher mother, he was expelled from three grade schools before he was diagnosed with Asperger's. At Oxford, where he double majored in math and computer science, he earned what the Brits called a double fist, graduating with a perfect GPA in both subjects. Wow. Okay. As the pair mapped out what it would take to turn Hayes' vision into reality, Delo, an expert in the back office work of designing complex algorithms and high-speed trading systems, said they needed a front-end web developer to handle the consumer-facing side of things. Hayes knew just the guy, a young American coder and tech evangelist named Sam Reed, whom Hayes had met after a speech Reed had given in which he warned his aspiring techie audience not to join startups whose owners often exploited and stiffed their coders. When Hayes pitched Reed on his idea for a Bitcoin derivatives exchange, Reed, disregarding his own advice, signed on immediately. Okay. Uh, Reed's backstory, the youngest of three boys had grown up in Manitowoc, Wisconsin. His father had been a network administrator for the Air Force, and his mother worked for a newspaper editor, or worked as a newspaper editor. Uh, there were plenty of old computers lying around in the Reed household, and Sam managed to get them working. By age 12, he had a paying gig debugging and repairing PCs for friends and neighbors. Okay. Uh, Reed uh, was much younger than Hayes and Delo, yet he had been at, crypto, at the crypto game the longest by 2009, his senior year at Washington and Lee, the self-described Bitcoin hipster, was mining Bitcoin on his laptop at a time when the currency was next to worthless. Reed racked up roughly 100 Bitcoins along the way, but in the process of reformatting the hard drive, accidentally erased the private keys required to access them, rendering his cache untouchable. Today, those coins would be worth $3.1 million. Okay. So we got Reed, Hayes, and Delo. All right. Uh, let's see. Reed was a less institutional and more uh, parapetic than Hayes and Delo. He worked for a large defense contractor, found the corporate world suffocating, and bided his time at a couple of startups and freelance gigs before finding his way to Hong Kong in 2013 in an online career forum with his alma mater, taped while sitting at in a hut in Thailand. All right, now let's get into the basically the wolf, the wolf of cryptos. 
Let's see. Okay, so BitMEX. Okay, BitMEX was built as a peer-to-peer trading platform that offers leverage contracts that are bought and sold in Bitcoin. It allowed users to effectively bet on the currency's future price with leverage of up to a dizzying 100 to 1. Translation, a customer with $10,000 in his or her BitMEX account could seamlessly execute a trade worth a cool million dollars. The lure of the exchange lay in the fact that people could make big money by putting in relatively modest crypto seed money. Okay. Okay. The birth of BitMEX six years ago was perfectly timed and dangerously fraught. In the eyes of the U.S. authorities, Bitcoin was then transitioning from being the favorite currency of bad actors um, to being an investment-grade asset that institutional players were starting to buy as a safeguard against inflation and, and as for its promise of outsized returns. Hayes, Delo, and Reed were in the catbird seat and began to accumulate serious wealth. All three billionaires, according to sources familiar with their finances. And here they are in the middle. Okay. Okay, okay. Uh, Let's get into it further down. Okay. Understanding that what BitMEX was selling is perhaps less important than whom the company was willing to sell it to. In our early conversations, Hayes insisted that BitMEX was careful to have no American customers and that technological barriers such as blocking uh, U.S. IP addresses kept American clients off the platform and stateside regulators at bay. But U.S. officials said that wasn't the case. It did not escape their attention that BitMEX had plenty of American depositors many of whom disguised their location by using by using VPNs. They were flocking to BitMEX by the thousands, and even though Hayes is a product of the banking establishment, where whole departments are dedicated to enforcing anti-money laundering and know-your-customer requirements, has his immersion into the deeply libertarian world of crypto seems to have blinded him to certain realities. Among them, U.S. authorities have wide reach, long memories and an affinity for knocking down people to size, especially brash upstarts. Okay. Okay. Uh, There were no rules in the beginning and governments weren't interested in articulating the rules. Uh, You would go to them and ask for guidance and get nothing. Is this illegal? No answer. It was only after the fact he said that cryptic, strictures emerged to police crypto usually in response to some infraction that had not been previously articulated by regulators but where Chu saw chaos Hayes saw opportunity okay for nearly a year after its launch BitMEX business was flat some days we had no trades no one bought or sold. The fees from trading on the platform barely covered the server bill, which Reed paid with his credit card. While Hayes and Delo stayed in Hong Kong, Reed got married and moved back to the States, settling in Milwaukee, where he operated out of a co-working space. The time zone difference, however, worked in their favor. Reed and Delo, in signature startup fashion, took turns being on call, addressing customer support issues 24-7. The company's fortune change when in late 2015 it started offering customers 100 times 105 times 
as much leverage as its closest competitor. Political volatility the following year with Brexit and the election of Donald Trump increased crypto trading volume. Comes 2017, BitMEX had to bring on 30 employees to cope with the explosion in trading. The firm moved into new office space, which it would soon outgrow. This is so it's such a wolf of Wall Street right now. Uh, by 2018, BitMEX had become a high-stakes bazaar, moving billions every day. During one of our meetings, Hayes commented, We are the biggest trading platform in the world by volume. That's anyone who trades a crypto product. BitMEX, he said, was one of the fir- was one of the most liquid exchanges in the world, regardless of asset class. By that measure, it, it was in the same league as the NASDAQ, as well as the New York, London, and Tokyo Stock Exchanges. Within four short years, Hayes' scrappy casino had become, in gambling terms, the house. Okay. Since the indictment was unsealed in October, BitMEX has taken a huge hit. Its market share and trading volume have dropped precipitously. Okay. I just want to kind of get to where it all went left. All right, so true, the firm's partners had differing approaches to their images and their booming businesses. Hayes, who didn't mind ruffling feathers, reveled in the role of financial renegade. Sam Reed kept an extremely low profile, a secret billionaire on paper walking the streets of Milwaukee. Now, that is the perfect example of how black billionaires versus white billionaires uh, conduct themselves when it comes to uh, ex- ex- showing off the wealth. Okay, so we clearly have the white man who prefers to keep a low profi- profile, but the brother couldn't help himself. It had to be flashy because let some people tell it. Well, that's in our nature. We've always been a flashy people. Blah blah blah. Uh, okay. Uh, ben Delo, however, seemed to hunger for mainstream acceptance. And when BitMEX was declared the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange in 2018, a string of Br- British newspapers dubbed him the UK's youngest self-made billionaire. That October, he donated five million pounds to Oxford, Oxford's Worcester College and a few months later signed the Giving Pledge designed by Bill and Melinda Gates and Warren Buffett as an open invitation for billion, billionaires to publicly commit to giving the majority of their wealth to philanthropy. Okay. Two years ago, BitMEX leased the 45th floor of Chung Kong Center, the most expensive real estate in Hong Kong and home to Goldman Sachs, Barclays, Bloomberg, and Bank of America. Hayes, Delo, and Reed were literally moving in on the establishment, but ever eager to make a statement. BitMEX kitted out its offices with an accessory none of those stodgy legacy companies had, a large aquarium inhabited Appropriately, appropriately enough by live sharks. Okay, now we're coming to it. Uh, the summer of ni- 2019, the amount of money moving through BitMEX was staggering. On June 27th, the company announced it had set a new daily record, trading $16 billion. Two days later, Hayes tweeted, $1 trillion traded in a year. The stats don't lie. BitMEX ain't, noth- ain't nothing to, fuck, to f- be fucking with. I'll see you on Wednesday. Uh, the man he was tweeting 
was at Noriel Rubini, a respected NYU economics professor and BitMEX's fiercest critic, dubbed Dr. Doom. Rubini sat on President Clinton's Council of Economic Advisors and served as the Treasury Department, the International Monetary Fund. You done got on the wrong person's radar. And the World Bank. In other words, he was about as establishment as Hayes was contrarian. On July 3rd, the pair faced off on stage at the Asia Blockchain Summit in what was publicized as the Tango in Taipei, taking their seats as the as the theme from Rocky blared overhead. The professor spoke first and went straight for the jugular. He says, uh, I quote, shitty behavior occurs in this particular industry, con men, criminals, scammers, and snake oil salesmen, and so on. Next to me is a gentleman who works with degenerate gamblers and retail suckers, non-accredited investors, and his Italian accent and English, Rubini stressed, there's a whole nice Twitter feed called BitMex Wrecked. Wrecked means fucked in the ass where every other second somebody has been liquidated by these guys and thousands of them have gone into financial ruin. Ruined. <laughs> ruin. Ruin. That's a family guy moment. Ruined. He accused a company of bucking regulations, insisting that with BitMEX, everybody gets wrecked, with the exception of Hayes and his colleagues, who Rubini said reap commissions and fees and maintain a liquidation fund that profits off of people's going bankrupt. Hayes countered with whataboutism. BitMEX, 100 times leverage, so what? You could trade this type of leverage anywhere you want to go. In the United States, we have things called exchange-traded funds. There was one great one, and it was based on the idea of short volatility, a one-day spike in February 2018 in the most highly regulated financial market in the world, highly liquid, and all these nice banks, people with suits on, went to nice universities, and your ETFs went to fucking zero. Wrecked. It was a curious line of argument for someone who got his start in finance by building and pushing ETFs. Okay. And they, had to, they went back and forth. Okay. Now, here we go. A few weeks later, Dr. Doom blasted back with a scathing op-ed titled The Great Crypto Heist. In it, he raised red flags about systemic illegality in offshore exchanges. Still fuming from Taipei, he trained his ire on BitMEX and its CEO, accusing them of sketchy business practices such as using an in internal for-profit trading desk to run uh, to, 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 to front-run their own clients deriving up to half of their profits from liquidations. The suggestions being that BitMEX is highly incentivized to screw over the very people who trade on the platform. Then Rubini went on and went for the kill shot. He says, uh, BitMEX insiders revealed to me that this exchange is also used for daily money laundering on a massive scale by terrorists and other criminals from Russia, Iran, and elsewhere. The exchange does nothing to stop this as it profits from these transactions. He's closed by shaming regulators who he said have been asleep at the wheel as the crypto cancer has metastasized. Okay, so here we go. Here's where it all, it all comes tumbling down. At 6 a.m., on the morning of October 1st, 2020, FBI agents pulled up to a large colonial in a comf comfortable Boston suburbs. 
Records show that the house had been purchased a year before by a Delaware LLC. The company, the property's real owner, Sam Reed, was taken away in handcuffs. Hours later, Audrey Strauss, the acting U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, and William Sweeney Jr., head of the FBI's New York field office, announced the indictment of BitMEX founders Hayes, Delo, and Reed, along with their close friend and first hire, Gregory Dwyer. The men were charged with violating and conspiring to violate the Bank Secrecy Act by willfully failing to establish, implement, and maintain an adequate anti-money laundering program. Each count carries a maximum penalty of five years behind bars. Reed, the only defendant in the U.S. at the time, was released after posting a $5 million bond and agreeing to surrender his passport. The FBI Sweeney went out of his way to lambast Hayes. One defendant went as far as to brag the company incorporated in a jurisdiction outside the U.S. because bribing regulators in that jurisdiction cost just a coconut. He warned that they will soon learn the price of their alleged crimes will not be paid with tropical fruit, but rather could result in fines, restitution, and federal prison time. Professor Rubini had been sounding the alarm for well over a year, and in October, the feds answered. But it was not just the Justice Department, the CFTC, which protects retail and institutional investors from fraud, manipulation and abusive practices related to the sale of futures and options, filed a civil suit against BitMEX and its founders for operating an unregistered trading platform and failing to implement required anti-money laundering procedures. By contrast, when the Justice Department went after another crypto trading platform called BTCE in 2017, it did so with a 21-count indictment for, among other things, identity theft and facilitating drug trafficking, as well as helping to launder money for criminal syndicates, including those allegedly responsible for the Mt. Gox hack. With BitMEX, Ryman argued, U.S. authorities trained their sites on the founders of the biggest, flashiest player in the digital assets derivative space to send a message to the entire crypto community. We're going to make sure you understand this industry is subject to our jurisdiction. Jurisdiction, people. As for the civil suit, a source familiar with the government's thinking said that BitMEX failed to thread the needle and operate within an exception to an exception to the CFTC's jurisdiction. An unregistered exchange like BitMEX, in fact, is allowed to sell leveraged commodities to American retail investors, but it has to complete those transactions within 28 days. The problem is that some of, their, some of BitMEX's most popular products called perpetual swaps were designed not to expire and to install or instead allow people to keep their trading positions open. In short, Hayes, Delo, and Reed, three savvy guys with plenty of high-priced legal help, fell prey to a 1936 law, the Commodity Exchange Act, which was amended by 20, 2010's Dodd-Frank Act. Now, I remember that. Uh, which was further clarified by the CFTC's new guideline on such trade, introduced only last March. Okay. The commission did not buy the company's line that it was off limits to Americans. According to a civil filing, BitMEX derived much of its volume and fees from U.S. customers. Prosecutors alleged that the company's anti-money laundering and know-your-customers policies and practices were merely window dressing. 
BitMEX allows customers to open accounts with an anonymous email and password and a deposit of Bitcoin. BitMEX does not collect any documents to verify the identity or location of the vast majority of its users. The CFTC told a federal court that it seeks disgorgement of ill-gotten gains, civil monetary penalties, restitution for the benefit of customers, permanent registration and trading bans, and a permanent injunction from future violations. By charging BitMEX founders personally with serious crimes carrying up serious time, officials have angered many in the wider crypto community. Some feel that the game is rigged. No shit. Show me a bank that doesn't have money laundering violations and I'll show you a piggy bank. It's a double standard who went to jail from HSBC for their money laundering. And you know, their Iran deals and all of these kinds of sanctions violations. They got fined. He's not wrong. After HSBC admitted to laundering nearly a billion dollars for the Sonola cartel and moving money for sanctioned customers in Cuba, Iran, Libya, Sudan, and Myanmar, the Justice Department elected not to indict the bank or its officials instead of having to pay $1.92 billion in fines and install a court-appointed compliance monitor. Uh, Myanmar, if I recall, has seized some banks related to the Rothschilds, but that's all a farce, but let's continue, shall we? Okay. In 48 hours before the charges against Hayes and his partners were announced, JP Morgan Chase entered a, into a resolution as it was euphemistically termed with the DOJ, the CFTC and the SEC in which the bank agreed to pay close to a billion dollars in connection with two distinct schemes to defraud one involving precious metal futures, the other treasury notes and bonds. The FBI's uh, Sweeney was among those who announced the deal for nearly a decade. A significant number of J.P. Morgan traders and sales personnel openly disregarded U.S. laws that uh, that served to protect against illegal activity in the marketplace. Blah, 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 blah. Um, J.P. Morgan, uh, Jamie Dimon, you know what I'm saying? So uh, remember the movie uh, Too Big to Fail. HBO's uh, excellent movie too big to fail where basically the government threatened the bankers and you heard the term uh, cash injection or cash infusion okay so that's why the bankers back then uh, when, when the government said okay you guys gotta give us this money that that's when the bankers kind of pulled back on loaning everybody money and became a little bit more strict as far as loans and all that good stuff okay it's, yeah HBO is too big to fail excellent excellent movie Okay, let's get in. Okay, the charges nonetheless caught BitMEX executives off guard. Delo, a Hong Kong resident, was in the UK when the indictment was unsealed. Although U.S. prosecutors have yet to initiate the extradition proceedings, partly due to COVID, sources close to Delo said that he will appear if and when they transpire. Hayes, I'm told, may be in Singapore, where he is known to have a residence. When or if he will return to the states to face justice remains an open question. Still, even if they end up beating the government at trial or settling beforehand, it may not spell the end of their troubles. BitMEX and its founders have been sued by investors as well uh, by customers who claim they lost money trading on a platform they contend is stacked against them. Most eye-catching of them all is the accusation by an early investor named Frank Amato who sued to cash out his professed equity in the company. 
The case has been withdrawn, according to a spokesman for BitMEX, BitMEX's holding company, after the dispute was resolved on confidential terms, which means they paid him his money back and then some. In one of Amato's filings, he claimed that Hayes, Delo, and Reed long ago began to spirit away their funds and knew by no later than January 2019 that they were under investigation by U.S. regulatory agencies because co-founder Reed was deposed by an allegedly made false representation to the CFTC. With that knowledge, a source familiar with Amato's suit told me each of the men allegedly paid themselves $140 million in multiple tranches. While these figures cannot be confirmed, nor are they necessarily unusual, given the fact that executives often receive dividends for company performances, they nonetheless uh, amount to quite a payday even for a trio of billionaires. And that is the story. So right now, uh, currently, we're waiting for Hayes um, and D'Lo to uh, face the courts. But I mean, was it worth it? Considering how much time he's looking at, I don't know. That's a, that's a personal question. So that is the rise and fall of billionaire Bitcoin, Arthur Hayes. You guys have a good one. Peace.